0: Welcome to you wherever you are at, whomever you are with, we are so very glad that you are here with us to join us for this live stream uh, presentation. Do want to mention to you again the version uh, of the Bible. It's an app that you can download on your phone, on your device, and uh, get into God's Word. There are so many uh, reading plans uh, videos that you can watch you can search by just about any topic that interests you money, sex, power, recreation uh, you name it if you search for it uh, you'll find a, a, a reading plan that will get you into what God has to say about that subject so I want to encourage you uh, look for the you version. Download it on your phone or your device. Uh, well, we're going to jump right into our teaching for this weekend. We're in a series called Almost Happy. And, uh, you know, the idea is that there are many times when uh, almost is adequate, but there are other times when almost doesn't quite cut it Uh Think about uh, when you've gone in for a procedure and the doctor says, well, we almost got all the cancer. Not what you want to hear. Or, or the pilot almost landed the plane safely. Uh, I don't want to be on that plane. Uh, or many of you Seattle Seahawks fans will remember uh, when the Hawks almost scored the Super Bowl winning touchdown. Well, the point is uh, there are many times when almost doesn't quite cut it, and the truth is, when it comes to our happiness, when our sense of well-being is almost but not quite, it can leave a gaping hole in our experience of life. Uh, We looked at uh, last week King Solomon, who apparently had everything you could imagine in this life, and yet he was only almost happy, and so uh, if you want to read about it, you can look at the book of Ecclesiastes, where Solomon chronicles his attempts to fill in that, that void, that gap, that something that was missing in his own personal happiness. And he concludes, uh, when I pursued everything that money could buy and all the pleasure that uh, I had no limitations on experiencing, I came to this conclusion that everything in life is meaningful or meaningless. It's a chasing after the wind in his own words. Well, contrast that conclusion with what Jesus himself said. The reason I came was that you might have life and have life to the full. He said in John uh, chapter 15, verse 11, These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. And that's really the intention of this series is uh, how do we get on that path? Where our joy uh, is made full, where our sense of uh, well-being and our own personal happiness goes well beyond almost. And we could actually say, uh, my cup overflows. Well, uh, we're using Paul's amazing letter uh, to a church he had established in Philippi. And uh, in this short letter, only four chapters long, Paul mentions the word joy and rejoice 16 times And uh, so it's obvious that God has something to say to us about joy and about rejoicing and about having our happiness uh, overflow. And uh, we saw last week that uh, one of the very key truths that uh, not only the biblical writers, but scientists, therapists, neurologists, counselors, uh, theologians all agree that to be truly happy in this life, uh, there are a number of keys. And one of those that we highlighted last week and we're going to really uh, drill down on today is this truth about having a purpose in our lives. Uh, in order to be truly happy, we need to have a purpose or a mission to live for that is bigger than ourselves. That goes beyond uh, trying to feather our own nest and actually is focused on something greater and uh, as Christ followers we have that mission we have that purpose in fact Paul talks a lot about what our calling is as followers of Christ in this letter he writes to his friends in Philippi and you could say it like this our greater purpose the greater mission that all followers of Jesus have is doing everything we can to make the goodness of God known to everyone we encounter. Read that again. Uh, Our mission, our greater purpose as followers of Jesus is doing everything we can to make the goodness of God known to everyone that we encounter, period. Uh, Jesus said it like this. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. Uh, My wife and I had an opportunity Uh, last week to get away for a few days and uh, we were able to catch flight down to Arizona and and spend a day hiking uh, in the area around Sedona and uh, one of the areas we were able to go to was called the um, Oak Creek Canyon Trail and uh, we hiked in beauty like you'll see on this photo uh, for a couple of hours along this trail and the trail crisscrossed the little uh, Oak Creek Uh, that was surrounded by these amazing red rocks. And um, uh, over this two-hour trek, uh, crossing the creek uh, numerous times, uh, I managed to keep my hiking shoes dry. Uh, My wife, on the other hand, just jumped in with both feet, tricked through the water. We came to the end of the trail, and uh, you literally had to stop there or proceed uh, into the water. And, well, I stopped my wife kept going, and uh, I thought, well, I'll let her have her own little trek uh, up into the wilderness, and she'll come back, and and uh, we'll make our way back out. Well, as I sat on a rock, she didn't come back, and uh, I waited and waited and waited, and finally another couple came out from uh, where she had hiked into, and uh, they said to me, your wife's up there waiting for you. And uh, the, the woman of this couple, she said, uh, you know, you really ought to go up there. It's the absolute best part of the trail. In fact, it's the payoff at the end of the hike. Uh, So I quickly uh, took my socks off, put my shoes back on, and made my way up into this beautiful scenery. Uh, It was truly magical how beautiful it was. Uh, But you know, we were so taken, my wife and I, by what we experienced beyond the trail, that as we were hiking out, everyone we passed we would manage to say something like do you plan on hiking to the end and if they said yes we would say well make sure uh, when you get to the end you uh take your socks off put your shoes back on and walk for several hundred yards more you will not regret it in fact we would say it's the best part of the trail and uh, as we encountered person after person hiking up Uh, we would say different things. Have you heard about the pools? Uh, Have you heard about the end of the trail? And uh, everyone that we encountered uh, thanked us for this good news that we had shared with them. Well, you know, that really is uh, an illustration of all that we're called to do as people who've experienced the goodness of God through the love of Jesus Christ is our greater mission And our purpose is to make known God's goodness to everyone that we encounter. And in fact, that's what it means to evangelize, to share the good news that we have experienced from God. And Paul says it like this at the end of his uh, opening chapter uh, in this letter to his friends. He said, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner that's worthy of the good news of Christ then, whether I come and see you or I only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit. And then these important words, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, striving together as one to make the goodness of God known to others, striving together, partnering together to reach others with the love of God that we have experienced through Christ. That that is our greater purpose and mission in life. One of my best, uh, my favorite reads over the past decade uh, is one I've mentioned to you before. It's called The Boys in the Boat. And uh, it's a wonderful story, true story, uh, about uh, a group of young men who attended the University of Washington in the 1930s and in the uh, 1936 olympics they uh shocked the world by winning the gold medal Well, one of the favorite parts of uh this story is uh the training and what went into their their work together as a crew team to reach that elite status uh of being able to win the gold medal at the olympics in berlin and uh, you know the, one of the the uh the the uh, crew members whose uh, story is told in The Boys of the Boat. He talks about these uh, frigid, cold mornings out on Lake Washington and Lake Union and uh, training together. And uh, he explains how the first minute of rowing, uh, you came to a point where you were absolutely exhausted. And then the next 20 minutes, you you rowed beyond exhaustion. And uh, he shares of one particular morning when they were rowing at a record pace and uh, their muscles were burning and the, the oars were uh, gliding in and out of the water. And he, and he said, so synchronized were they about this one goal and purpose that they were literally breathing in sync together. And then as they came to a halt and they pulled their oars out of the water and sat there uh, with the sound of each other's uh, heavy breathing, uh, the, the writer describes how there was a sense of euphoria. He describes it as a spiritual moment of realizing that he had lost himself, given himself for this common cause. And he, he describes it as a transcendent experience. And uh, you know, that's the best description uh, I can uh, think of, that of what Paul is talking about, that we find our greatest sense of joy in losing ourselves in the purpose of making the goodness of God known to everyone that we encounter. But uh, how many of you know uh, the ideal, which is what we just described, is often not the real. Uh, The sense of striving together as one for the good news of the gospel. In fact, uh, that very truth is Paul's occasion for writing his friends in Philippi is uh, the ideal that he described that he had experienced with them was no longer the case. In fact, uh, people in this family of believers in Philippi were beginning to drift away from each other. Uh, There were beginning to be conflicts among them. Uh, Some of them had actually reached the point, the conclusion, that the, the way they saw God and the way they experienced Christ was far better than some of their friends and there were beginning to be this this sense of well we'll associate with these but we won't with those and uh, the way we see things is more accurate than those who see things differently Uh, maybe to put it in modern terms uh, it would be uh, uh, as if uh, we had reached the conclusion that the way we've responded to COVID is better than the way you have uh, the way we feel about wearing masks is, is better than the way you feel, and that the way we've navigated this pandemic is is better and closer to God's will than the way that you have, or uh, perhaps the way that we see political issues is is uniquely different and better than the way that you do. The way we feel about uh, racial injustice. Black Lives Matter, uh, refugee crises, global warming, Israel, abortion, gay rights, uh, whatever it is, these early believers had concluded that because they saw things differently than those who they once strove side by side with, that they would no longer associate with one another. You know, uh, it's, it's easy to begin to allow... Uh, The things that we uh, think differently on to divide us from those who share essentially the same uh, convictions that we do about God and his work through Jesus Christ. And uh, it can, if we allow it to, uh, our unique differences can totally derail us from the primary purpose of why we're here, to be salt and light and to share the goodness of God with everyone that we encounter, uh, you know, it's possible that uh, our way of thinking becomes so routine, uh, so ingrained uh, that we don't even realize it, but we're now seeing the world and others in a different way than when we once started. Uh, Researchers call this neural pathways. And it's interesting that uh, if you look at this image of a brain, is that the, the way that we think actually becomes so routine that uh, it changes our worldview without us even realizing that it has happened. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as a person thinks, so they are. As a man thinks, so he becomes. And uh, Paul will later, in his letter to the Philippians, address the thought processes they've allowed themselves to sink sink into. He exhorts them in chapter 4, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If there is anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. And we know that sometimes it takes a dramatic life event or therapy or medication to change the way our neural pathways have become set. And so Paul writes under the inspiration of God's Spirit to do that very thing, to renew their minds and to get them back in a better place. And so he says, writes in chapter 2, verse 1, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, he's trying to bring them back on the rails. If there's any comfort from his love, uh, uh, let me ask you here at this point, have you ever been encouraged by being united with Christ. Uh, Think about that one for a moment. Uh, The fact that Christ has been buried and raised again to newness of life, you've been united with him. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, uh, you, you share the same inheritance that he does. If you receive any encouragement from being united with Christ, if you've ever been comforted By his love, and certainly uh, any who have called upon Christ for any length of time have had seasons they've gone through that have been difficult, that have been disappointing, and the the very loving presence of Jesus has strengthened your soul and helped you come through that. Uh, Paul appeals to that. He says if there is any common sharing of the Spirit, if there's ever been a part of you that has... uh, Uh, been joyful about this heritage that you have in faith. Uh, Maybe it's an old hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. And as you've sung that, you've identified with saints down through the ages who have come through difficulty, being strengthened by God's Spirit. And finally, Paul says, if there's any tenderness or compassion. Essentially, what Paul is inviting uh, these friends of his, these believers in Philippi to do, is to check their spiritual pulse, uh, to to uh, do a little self-inspection and ask themselves, uh, has my faith in God made any difference at all in my life? Uh, ask themselves, has the love of Jesus changed me in any way? Uh, as I pause for a moment and uh, take a little um, Uh, spiritual pulse uh, is do I have any desire at all to please God and to honor Christ well I hope that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ as you ask those questions your answer is yes of course yes of course and so uh, Paul is setting us up uh, for his exhortation he says uh, if there is any spiritual life in you at all then make my joy complete by being like-minded, by having the same kind of love for God and for people, by being in one spirit and of one mind. See, Paul is essentially inviting them to get back in the game, to quit allowing their differences, to separate them from their brothers and sisters in Christ. Yes, of course, we have different perspectives yes of course we have different sets of priorities and values but in spite of those we can still be of one mind and of one purpose and of the same love you know i uh, i love it when i read about uh, athletes uh, who who go through what they call a position change Uh, maybe it's a football player who all his life has played on the offense And uh, now because of the needs of the team uh, in spring training, uh, they will move that player or summer workouts. They'll move that player from defense or offense to defense. And uh, in an interview, they'll say something like, whatever it takes, whatever I can do to contribute to the team, that's what I'm open to. And, And Paul is inviting followers of Christ to stop being detoured, and derailed by your different viewpoints and your different perspectives. We have a greater purpose and a mission in life, and it's to uh, make known to everyone that we encounter in every way possible the goodness of God as revealed to us in Jesus Christ. Well, Paul goes on. He says, uh, in getting back on track, do nothing out of selfish ambition or empty conceit, Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you looking to the interests of others. Be someone who is always looking for ways to add value to others. Uh, You know, I came across a book recently, and it was simply called Givers and Takers. And uh, as the author uh, went through describing the way that different people approach life, he kind of separated it out into two huge categories. There are givers in life, and there are takers. Well, just for good measure, he added a third. He called them matchers. And, uh, and so you had the givers who were always looking for ways to add value to others. Wherever they found themselves, wherever they were out in the pecking order at work, they always looked for opportunities to add value to others. And then, of course, you had the takers. They were always looking for what people could do for them, what they could get from others, how their expectations were being met or uh, disappointed by others. And uh, and then this uh, third group, the matchers, they were kind of looking for the reciprocal. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. You do something good for me, I'll reciprocate. Uh, you wrong me in any way, I'll distance myself from you. And uh, guess uh, which of these three groups, the givers, the takers, or the matchers, uh, uh, proved to be the happiest people as they looked into their lives. Well, as you might imagine, surprise, surprise, it was the givers. Uh, they were the ones who tended to get the most done had the best relationships, and rated higher on the personal happiness scale. And and so Paul says, do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit, but consider the interests of others as being uh, more important than even your own. And if you're like me, you ask the question, how is that even possible? Uh, Who can actually live that way of putting the interests of others ahead of our own. If you're married, you know how difficult that is. Well, uh, Paul goes on uh, to give us a great example of one who lived that way uh, quite well and uh, was rewarded uh, as a result. He says, in your relationships with one another, take on or have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And then he describes what that mindset uh, acts like. Who being in the very nature God, can you imagine Paul is saying who is equal with God, did not count or consider equality with God something to be used or clung to uh, for his own advantage. Rather, these startling words, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. And being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. You know, you might see this humility, this emptying of himself, uh, this taking on the form of a servant as being a bit uh, self-degradating and the uh, loathsome uh, but in fact it was just the opposite uh, jesus knew the incredible potential within him to bring value to others and he held nothing back he emptied himself he became nothing and uh, totally put our interests ahead of his own and uh, if you think uh well you know uh, that 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 sounds like sacrifice uh, that is sacrifice Listen to how Paul would talk about that later on, just a few verses later. He says, even if I'm being poured out for you like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and I rejoice with all of you. And uh, you might at this point think, well, hey, wait a minute. I thought this series was about moving beyond almost happy." You know, getting to that place where our joy is made full and our happiness factor is off the charts. uh, That that description of self-giving, of humiliation, of pouring ourselves out and putting the needs of others first. That doesn't sound like happy to me. Well, I want to guarantee you, according to the testimony of the scriptures and the life of Jesus, it's the only way. the kind of joy and complete happiness that we're talking about in this series. Listen to how Paul finishes uh, these amazing thoughts. He says, because of his emptying, because of his humiliating of himself, because of his choice to add value and put others ahead of himself, we're told, therefore God highly exalted him, lifted him up to the highest place, and he gave him the name that is above every name, That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What is uh, Paul drawing our attention to? Uh, he's, He's pointing out without a fact that God always notices when we give ourselves to assist others when we pour ourselves out to put the interests of others first, when we do everything we can to make his goodness known to everyone that we encounter, God always notices and rewards and fulfills and lifts up those who who put themselves below others in order to serve them. Uh, Jesus told uh, about the final judgment when everyone will uh, give an account of how they spent their lives. And uh, one of the stories he tells, he said it will be as if uh, uh, God looks upon those who chose this path of serving. And uh, he, he will say to them, uh, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was a stranger, you invited me in. And uh, to which... These humble servants will rep- reply, Lord, when did we see you naked and clothe you? When did we notice you were hungry and fed you? And when were you a stranger and we invited you in? And here's these famous words Jesus said, I truly, I tell you, uh, whatsoever you did to the least of these, you did to me. You see, God notices when we choose to put the needs of others in front of our own, regardless of what they stand for, of what they believe in, of what they hold to, of what their convictions are, is we choose to add value, to share the good news, to say, have you been to the end of the trail? Have you seen the glorious uh, sights that are there to see? You know, uh, we found uh, an investment counselor uh, recently. And uh, once we became convinced that this guy knew what he was doing, that he had a track record of success, that he was full of integrity and goodwill for those he served, Uh, we did everything we could to put as many eggs in that basket as possible. And uh, we know that we will not regret it regardless of what the outcomes are because we know this person has proved himself Uh, to be a man of expertise and integrity and trustworthy. And uh, I would say, how much more uh, can we entrust our happiness uh, to the one who notices every act of service done in his name? Well, as we go to prayer, uh, I want to give you a few action steps that you could take this week to really uh, allow these truths to begin to change the way you think and act and Really get on that path of the kind of abundant happiness and joy that God promises to those who follow His Son Jesus. Here are some action steps I would encourage you to take. Number one, um, what do you most appreciate about being united with Christ? What does that mean for you? Make a list, and uh, I, I guarantee you, if you'll just pause. On this one and give some thought what do you appreciate the most about being united with the uh, the risen Son of God Uh, you'll begin to uh, experience some degree of gratitude and spiritual health number two what are some of the ways the love of Jesus has brought comfort into your life and again make a list be specific when I was going through this I experienced his encouragement his friendship. He brought people into my life. Uh, Whatever it is, write it down. Number three, what are some of your reoccurring thoughts that may be displacing an attitude of gratitude uh, for these Philippian believers? It was their annoyance with other Christ followers. It was their difference of opinion on certain life events. Uh, What are some of those things for you Recurring thoughts that are pulling you away from your primary purpose to make the goodness of God known to everyone that you encounter. And number four, uh, what are some ways uh, you? What are some things you can do to add value to the others that you will interact with today, this week? And these would be tangible uh, ways that you can use your gifts, your abilities, your talent, your experiences to bring hope and encouragement. To others. Well, let me invite you to pray with me. And as we're praying, you know, maybe you've never heard the good news described as clearly as Paul just wrote succinctly in this letter that although Christ existed in the form of God, he didn't cling to that, but he emptied himself and became a man like us and offered himself as a sacrifice for our sins so that we could share uh, The love that he knows uh, with God the Father. And you've never opened up to that. I want to invite you to do that very thing right now. In fact, uh, you would just say these words. I commit my life to Jesus. Uh, Right now, I'm just making that choice to uh, receive uh, of his emptying himself on my behalf. And you would express that uh, through words or thoughts like this. Jesus, thank you for what I've read about what you've done. Uh, Thank you that you became a servant for my sake. You humbled yourself so that I could be lifted up. You poured yourself out so that I could be filled up. And I want to open up to that incredible love, Lord. I don't know where that will take me, but I have the sense that it will end up being very, very good. And so I, I commit my life to you. I thank you for what you did on the cross for me. Uh, thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for adding value to my life. And now teach me how to follow you uh, into the path that you have before me. And I pray that in Christ's name and for Lord, for all of us. uh, We just pray right now in this season that we're in, where it's so easy to major in the minors. It's so easy to have our thoughts become consumed with the things that rob us of gratitude that steal from us the joy of our salvation. And and we would just thank you for this reminder uh, through your servant, Paul, that uh, we can be of one mind. We can be of one purpose. We can be of one spirit. We can be like those boys in the boat that that strive together uh, for the sake of the good news. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that whatever needs to happen in the renewing of our minds, whatever change needs to take place in our hearts, Lord, you can do that. You can do that right now, and you can restore to us the joy of our salvation. And so, Lord, I I pray that this week would be an exploration for many in in a renewing of, of their gratefulness for who you are, that maybe, Lord, there are some that need to experience the comfort of your love, And I pray that that would become real right now uh, in whatever way they need to experience that, Lord, that there would be encouragement and a strengthening that happens as you lead us in to this next season of life. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.